Hello and welcome to this episode of The Honest Therapist. Today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about building bridges and building connection before trying to communicate. So if you're somebody who is sitting there listening to this episode and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a conversation that I know I want to have with somebody, but I'm not sure how to go about it. Or if there is some conflict in your relationships, in your communication, and you want to be able to communicate more effectively, this will be a really fabulous episode for you. And you can think about anybody in your life that you interact with. You can think about your work colleagues or employer or employees. You can think about your children if you have them. Um, or nieces and nephews, if you have those, think about your intimate partners, think about your parents, think about anyone that you're interacting with. And you can definitely take this into your world and yeah, use these, use this, this top tip that I have when I teach about connective communication, the first step is connection. So before I dive into sort of the intricate details of that let me give you a bit of a story as i always try to do a bit of a back story on why i believe that this is so so powerful connection before communication so back in my 20s i was employed as a family services worker i also worked with the forgotten australians which was a population where of people who had grown up in orphanages or out of home care, mainly orphanages um, in Victoria here in Australia in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and who, um, yeah, they're called the Forgotten Australians because they were pretty much just left in these orphanages and awful, awful things happened to so, so many of them. Um, so I, I, one of my roles in my 20s was to set up a drop-in centre for them and to um, help them access their story and their records. And so that was one another role that I had that I also worked with a lot of really highly traumatised and very, very vulnerable families in Victoria. Most of them were referred to our services from child protection. And so one of my roles in that space was to go into homes and talk to families about how we could better protect children, how we could improve relationships and how we could make sure that all family members were being cared for, all of their needs were being met and yeah, to be a support worker to them. Uh, I also had a lot of other roles in my twenties, but I worked with some really interesting characters. I was, I spent most of my days in people's lives in their homes. And a lot of our clients back then um, were involuntary clients. So they didn't really want us there. They'd been told they had to have support workers in place for child safety um, and sometimes for their own safety, for the adult safety um, and well-being. But they, a lot of the people that I worked with didn't really want me in there. So how do you communicate with individuals or family groups or groups of people in you know, um, group classes and group settings that you know are only letting you in so that maybe their children don't get removed from them or so that they don't get fired from their job or so that they don't get put back into rehab. 
you know that they really aren't voluntary and they don't really want you there. How do you actually connect with them? And I found that I was really very, very skilled at this. And when I say skilled, it wasn't like a really contrived thing. It was very natural for me, a very, a gift that I'd always had was to be able to connect with people from all walks of life that were unlikely teammates on whatever, you know, whatever work we were doing or whatever goal we had, I was able to somehow, you know, connect with people. And I did work with some really, really scary characters as well as a family services worker in particular. Uh, and then later in kinship care, where I was a support worker for kinship family members who were caring for children that were not their own. So potentially, you know, I would go in and work with an auntie who had taken on the care of her niece, or I would go in and work with a, uh, adult sibling who had taken on care of their younger siblings, but mostly it was grandparents who were caring for their grandchildren. Um, I was really, really good at my job and I eventually around the age of 25, 26 actually became a team leader supervisor and had a team of social workers under me doing this work. So that gives you a little bit of context about, you know, how I've, I've not only seen the power of communication in my personal life, but I've seen, sorry, connection, the power of connection in my personal life, but I've also seen it in my professional life. And I've also done a lot of formal skilling up in that area, doing family mediation courses and art therapy courses, counseling um, certifications and things like that. But I have always had this fascination with communication, but also this really beautiful gift to be able to connect with people. And um, I sent out this story in an email to my email list and also put it on my Substack. So if you're on my email list, you will have already maybe heard this. Um, if you're not, please, please join us in the email space and or on my Substack, please subscribe. I'd love to have you in that community. So I shared this story with them yesterday. Um, but let me, let me verbalize this out. So one family, when I was thinking about communication and connection, one family always springs to mind that I worked with in my twenties, um, as a family services worker. When I think about the power of connection before communication, this family always jumps into my mind. So I was assigned the case of a very well-known and really, um, traumatized families. So we're talking intergenerational, multiple generations of trauma and neglect and drug and alcohol and violence and all of the things. Um, this was a family who had gone through dozens of workers over the years. So many people had tried to help this family and work with them. I'm not going to sit here and say that I fixed them or that my work had a huge impact. I'm not going to say that, but they, what I want you to hear is like, they were a tough family. They were the toughest of the toughest families. And they had all, as I said, all the things thrown into the mix here, violence, trauma, drug and alcohol abuse, um, violence, criminal activity, neglect, imprisonment, all of it, all of it. And, you know, they had, they really did have to have protective services involved and, and, and um, family services involved to try to really, at the end of the day, keep an eye on the children and um, do our very, very best to try to, you know, do what we could, but this was very entrenched intergenerational, multi-generational trauma. So the parents that I was working with in here wanted nothing to do with the support system. They didn't want us involved, but we had to be for the children's sake. And so I went in there, very green, very young, looking back now, thinking what the heck was I doing? Somewhat naive to the danger that I could have easily experienced um, walking into this home. We had a really big burly father who had been in and out of prison for a lot of really violent crimes. 
and uh, we had a very abusive, like when I say abusive mother, she would swear at me every time I went there um, and scream and yell and do all the things. Um, we had, there, you know, for anyone looking in, they'd be like, you are crazy to be walking in there as a 25-year-old, you know, woman by yourself going in and doing sessions in, a, in this home, but it's what we did. It's what we did. Um, and so when I read the case file for this family, I just thought to myself, I remember thinking, I just, I'm just going to focus on connection. I'm just going to focus on, because I know they don't want me there. And it doesn't matter if I come in with the most amazing plan, support plan. It doesn't matter if I'm like really epic at like trauma and attachment and I know all this really cool stuff. They don't care and they don't want to engage. So I'm just going to basically try to, I'm just going to stay in there. I'm just going to try to hang in there. I've got to try to make sure that they, you know, open the door to me. And so connection was top of mind. All right. And I've always found that quite natural and quite comfortable. Now, as I said, it can be learned. You can do courses on it, but I obviously, I honestly believe that it is um, the most powerful skill in getting ahead in and enjoying life is connection with other human beings. So connection, connection, connection. I mean, it must've been quite the sight. Me, 26 years old, 25 years old, something like that, you know, small frame, childless female sitting next to a huge brute of a man, shaved head, covered in tattoos, high, usually high on something, God knows what, at the time, you know, sitting on the couch, trying to connect with him enough, enough that he would allow me to stay in his home firstly, <laughs> and then potentially working on that connection to a point where he might start to trust me in, you know, talking to him about how we can make sure that his kids are safe, and that he gets his needs met and the kids needs are met and that you know protective services can maybe back off a little bit potentially um you know that was my focus is just really how do i stay in the room without him kicking me out um you know or harming me so you know just picture that just picture that for a minute i just often laugh and chuckle when i think about that that i literally sat next to him he was off his face on drugs so many times when i visited but I was there and I would connect with him. And he, you know, this is the thing, even in the strangest places and spaces with the most unlikely relationships, we can, I truly believe we can always find something to connect with. I really do believe that we can always find something to connect on, even when it may look like we have nothing in common or we're completely on different pages, have different values, come from different walks of life. I believe that we can always find a flicker of connection to grab hold of. And I've seen it over and over again. That's why I believe it. You know, and if you read, you know, books, like I read a lot of books um, around psychology, but I recently have been reading quite a bit about um, hostage negotiations. <laughs> I know, it's like reading from Carly. You know, I don't read this stuff before bed, but hostage negotiation it's how hostage negotiators work their magic they find the bridge they find the connection point they find the something that helps the criminal feel seen heard validated and understood because at the end of the day what humans want is to feel seen heard validated and understood not always agreed with not placated not um shushed and talked over they want to feel seen heard, validated, and understood. And so even when hostage negotiators are working with 
people in really high pressure situations, they look for the bridge. What's the bridge here? What's the connection here? How can I help this human feel seen, heard, validated and understood? There's always a bridge if you want to find it. That's, you know, that's a caveat. You have to want to find it. So if you're sitting there listening to this, what the hell has this got to do with my life? Think about the person in your life right now that you really are struggling with around communication. Think about the stories you're making up about them. Think about the ways you're viewing the way they're doing things in the world. And does it build a bridge or does it disconnect the bridge? Does it completely blow the bridge up? You know? And what is the connection here? What is the common ground? Where can you meet in the middle of the bridge to build, rebuild that connection, rebuild that communication? So in this case, with this big brood of a man covered in tattoos, who was quite scary, who I knew had been to jail many times for a lot of violent criminal activity, um, I thought about what I could connect with him on. And it has to be genuine. So point number two, it has to be genuine. It has to be genuine. And it needs to be something that you feel like you can really buy into and, and opt into as well. So I have a bit of a, you might not know this about me, but I have a bit of a love of, for cars and especially big, noisy, very bad for the environment, petrol guzzling cars. I don't own them, but I love admiring them. And so he, this dad um, had a love of cars too. So we would talk about cars. I would tell him stories about, you know, my dad used to actually run speedways and I would, I grew up in the pits of the race, you know, with the race drivers and sitting in the race and drive car, sorry, sitting in the racing cars, talking to the drivers or just while my dad was doing his work, I'd just, you know, be hanging out in, in these cars in the pits. Um, my love of different cars. And every time I'd visit, I'd be like, oh, have you seen such and such, you know, this company's released this car or, you know, we would just connect. He had a couple of cars in his front yard um, that he wanted to do up. And so I was like, how could we work? How could we work with this? How could we make that happen? How could we engage you in an activity with this? Right. Um, and I did take a genuine interest in that with him. Um, I would ask him questions about his tattoos. I actually was genuinely interested in the tattoos that he had. And some of the stories were really beautiful and quite um, heart wrenching. And some of them were Absolutely terrifying, to be really honest with you. Um, some of them one that were tattoos that he got in prison. I learned a lot about prison life there. Um, I took a genuine interest in his childhood stories. So this was a man that not many people had connected with. And so they hadn't shown much interest in him. He didn't feel seen and heard. And his childhood experiences were really horrific. So we would talk about that sometimes. So some of my home visits weren't actually about the kids, but it was about building the connection. And I know that this is an extreme example, but I, this is just the point of like how unlikely it was that I could actually get this man to keep me in his home, which he did. He allowed me to work with them for a long time. I connected with him on his love for his kids. I could see that he did love his kids in a really weird, wacky way that, you know, you and I would not think is love, but he did love his kids despite the way he was raising them, despite the squalor of the home, the swearing, the drugs, taking them on criminal activity trips. You know, he, lo he loved his kids. He himself was a really big kid. He had not been loved well. And I could see through the really tough, scary facade. I could speak to that little boy inside of him when I could get there, not always, but you know, when he was sober enough or I just got him on the right day, I could speak to that. And I could acknowledge that his life's been really, really big and hard. 
um, I could speak to the the man inside him that wanted to be accepted by the world, that was really scared by the world, that the world had in a lot of ways treated him really cruelly when he was younger and in some ways still was. And I could speak to the man who wanted to change the future for his kids. So I share this story for a few reasons today. I want you to feel hope when you think about the difficult conversations that you know you want to have in your own life, but you don't know where to start. I encourage you to think about where the bridge is, where the connection point is. Okay. So to give you, I guess, a more practical example, um, this past week, I've opened up my Instagram inbox to anyone who wants help with wording or thinking about a conversation that they want to have with a loved one. And I helped a beautiful woman who's been in my community for so long. And I just love touching base with her and hearing her laugh. And, you know, she just jumped in and said, I want to have a conversation with my dad about boundaries and about access with his grandchildren, you know? And so practically what we wanted to look at there was what's the connection point here first. And the connection point is the relationship with the grandchildren that this woman wants her dad to have a relationship with her children and her dad does want a relationship with his grandchildren. That's the connection point. That's the bridge that they both meet on. They both want that same outcome. They both want to get there in different ways. So the conversation, the connective communication is about, Hey dad, I know, and I want the same thing. I know you want to have a relationship with your grandchildren right now. These are the parameters right now. This is what they can handle right now. This is the boundary for the time being. This is what we're going to do to maintain that relationship. If we do it the way you're doing it ongoing, you're going to lose that relationship. That is going to be gone. So I want to help you and work with you here to have a relationship with your grandchildren. Here's what what I see needs to happen. That's how you connectively communicate. You connect with the heart. You connect with what their desire is. You help them feel seen and heard. I see that you're trying. I hear that you want a relationship with your grandchildren. I understand you. I understand that that's what you want. And I understand why you're going about it the way you are, but we're not doing that anymore. That's powerful, respectful, loving, connective communication. That's, that's speaking to that connection point. I also, so hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> I also want to share these stories with you because I want you to feel hope when you have communication breakdown with those you love and all seems lost. You know, those times when we have a misunderstanding or a, or a, a bit of a blow up with someone that we really, truly love. And then there's just this huge disconnect. It feels like there's a, the, the chasm is too big to jump to reconnect. I want you to know that there is always hope there. And I think the first steps back to each other around are around that connection before you dive into, well, you said this and you did that. And I felt this, and then this happened connection, connection point first, always first connection point. So what is the connection point? Well, I love her. I love my sister and I know she loves me. And what else can we connect on? Well, she's the only person that understands what we went through as children. 
for example, that's a connection point. So when you meet or you have a conversation or you send the text message, start with the connection point. I love you. You're my sister. I miss you. You're the only person who understands what it was like growing up in our household. And I'm wondering if we could have a conversation to bridge the gap here, to begin the reconnection. You've got to get really clear on what that connection point is. And if you actually do want the connection, obviously, um, before you can go there. I also share all of this today in this episode because I want you to feel, you know, um, hope if you're communicating in a way that you detest. So you might be, for example, speaking to your children in a way that you don't love. You really feel a lot of guilt about it, but you just can't seem right now to pull yourself out of it or find new ways to interact. You're just in this habit, in this rut, in this cycle of speaking in a way that you know isn't isn't helpful for anyone and is not how you want to be speaking to your children, for example. This could also relate, obviously, to your intimate partner. It could also relate to how you're speaking to yourself. So I want you to have hope that you can always pull yourself out of this if you can again figure out how do I connect before I communicate. So when I pick the kids up from school and we come home and and then it's, you know, a rush of unpacking and homework and dinner and baths and then I'm screaming at them to get into bed, how can I actually start to implant some connection points in that afternoon, right? So instead of coming straight home, do we go and get a milkshake and have a chat? about their day, even if it's for 15 minutes. When we do get home, do I actually say, you know what, don't worry about unpacking your bag and homework for 15 minutes. We're going to play a game or we're going to watch a show together or we're going to read a book together or we're going to go for a walk, whatever. How do you build in some connection points? So then you've got these beautiful supports of connection around you, scaffolding you for communication. I also wanted to share today so that you know that I have really earned my stripes in connective communication. Not only in my 20s with the example that I gave you working with really, really tough families in the family services sector, but also growing up in a household where words were often withheld and or used as weapons. Um, I had to learn at a very young age uh, how to read communication. So what I mean is I would, I would hear the communication going on in my home and I would be able to go, oh, that's disconnecting. Oh, that's connective. Oh, that's, wow, those words are being wielded there as weapons. I really earned my stripes growing up in that household of, holy crap, like just, you know, at times love was really conditional and silent treatment was very common. We walked on eggshells. And so I honed my ability to craft conversations that repair and connect people again. And I do remember being a small girl listening to some of the conversations in my household and just, you know, it was almost like I was taking mental notes of, well, that's how they could have repaired that. Or that's how they could have connected in that way. And, oh, that's, I can see the damage that those words have just done. So I really earned my stripes in that way. (laughs) Connective communication is an absolute passion of mine because I now see in my adult life on the daily the ways that communication destroys relationships and the ways it builds. 
I now do it when I, you know, work at the local cafe a couple of days a week that I, I, I just love listening to conversations and I'm always just, just piecing little things in my head like, oh, I wonder if she'd said this. I wonder if they'd used that word. I wonder if they'd come first with connection. I wonder if he can see that he is coming at that situation from a totally different angle than she is. You know, I'm always listening and putting things together. So this is a real passion of mine. And so I am going to start opening up more and more and more to you guys, the opportunity to have me guiding you through some of this connective communication work. Um, and a huge part of this will also be about how you speak to yourself, not just how you speak to others that you're in relationship with. So one of the ways is that my DMS are open in Instagram. So if you've listened to this episode and you follow me on Instagram, um, at this honest therapist, and you feel like you just want some help with some words and some scripting, please jump in there and we'll just sort of do some voice messaging back and forward to a point, to a limit. Don't, you know, and I trust that no one will overutilize that. Um, but I know where my boundary lies with that, but that is open. And then come March, March the 1st, I will be guiding small groups of women through real-time communication practice in something that I have called the articulation incubator. So this space will be a really connective space where you can come in and feel really, really calm and safe to share what's going on communication wise for you. So the words that I've used to describe the articulation incubators is speak to connect and connect to heal. Script your world in real time, be seen, held and guided in small group incubators and there'll be monthly rolling intakes. Now this experience, if you've never done any work with me in group settings or one-on-one, -on -one, this is a really new format for me to offer. And I've been working on this internally. How do I want to do this? What feels really lush and amazing for me? How am I going to have the most impact? I've worked it through with my wonderful mentor. This just feels so exciting and new and fresh. And as I said, impactful. I've been witnessing over the last couple of years how many people buy courses that I create and never finish them. Um, and I know that that is industry-wide. It's not just a me thing, but I'm like, I'm done. I'm done creating courses that don't actually help you because you don't actually finish them for whatever reason. How can I mix this up instead of just being like, well, you should finish the courses. I don't want to create another thing that you feel pressured to complete. So I wanted to create something in real time as well. That was really big. I was like, how do I help these women on the daily in real time as they're having these conversations, right? After they get off the phone from their father and they're like, oh my God, I didn't set my boundary again. How do I help you in that moment for quick progression? You know, actually practicing and using the communication muscle as you're doing it, as you're living your life. So this is really gonna be powerful for those of you who maybe aren't able yet to jump into one-on-one -on -one with me or ongoing mentorship. I want this to be practical and helpful. Kind of like having your therapist on a speed dial um, at the fraction, at a fraction of the investment. So if that sounds really intriguing to you, please, please, please click the link below in the show notes or come across to Instagram and look at my bio links there. Um, if you're on my email list, you'll have the invitation to this. 
four to six women in each incubator, very small monthly rolling intake. So you can come and just do a month. You can stay for many months, whatever you want to do. You just reinvest each month for 140 Australian dollars a month. And when you apply and invest, you'll get popped into a WhatsApp incubator that will start on the first of the following month. Bring your scenarios and conversation issues to the group. We'll workshop it. We'll tweak it. We'll script it. We'll help you gain clarity. We'll work through your fears before you have conversations, work through your nerves and communicating, send you back to the world to practice. Then you come back, fill us in. How did it go? What did you feel? What happened? Okay, let's tweak it. Let's script it. Let's go again in real time. This is really freaking exciting and powerful and impactful. So if you'd like to join us in the articulation incubator, please, please, please click the link and check out more information. If you have any questions at all, let me know. And that aside, I'd love to know how this episode landed for you. What was its impact? Has it helped you in some way? And is there anything else you want me to go into um, regarding connection before communication? I'd really love to hear from you. I hope you have the most amazing magical day and I'll talk to you soon.